FBI 94.5. It's Bridie with you. Hey, what do you know about sex work? And how do you reckon those ideas in your head line up with the realities of working in the sex industry? Sex work is one of the most misunderstood professions in Australia. And this month on Let's Talk About Sex, we're taking a deep dive into the sex industry to better understand how it all works and what issues sex workers in New South Wales are facing. Joining me for this discussion is resident sexologist, pleasure activist and body worker, Tanya Coons. Hey, Brady. What we're going to do this month is talk about sex work. Why is it stigmatised? How to overcome the stigmatisation? What is sex work? Who does it? Who visits sex workers? What are the issues for people who are doing sex work as professionals? What are they dealing with? But given that this is such a complex area, I have invited my friend and colleague, Carla Vanting, who is a sex worker and also the president of Scarlet Alliance, to join us and shed some light on the subject. Hey, Carla. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming in. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and also what is Scarlet Alliance? Sure. So I personally am a sex worker. I've been in the sex industry for about 15 years and started out as a porn performer and producer and then over the last five or six years got more into face-to-face sex work. Um, So currently I work as a BDSM service provider. So I've got experience and kind of personal experience doing those things. And then I can kind of just put my other hat on as the president of the Scarlet Alliance, which is the National Association for Sex Workers in Australia. So we're a peak body of sex workers and sex worker organizations and we act on behalf of and in the interests of sex workers in terms of government, health, workplace health and safety, that sort of things. Now this is a very broad question but one I'm sure you're qualified to answer. (laughs) What is sex work? What comes under the sex work umbrella? There are a million different types of ways to do sex work. The definition of sex work is the exchange of goods or money for an erotic service. So there's the more common ones, so things like escorting, whether that's independent or brothel-based work, stripping, dancing, phone sex, BDSM work, webcamming and porn performance, so there's like that kind of digital and on-film side of things. And there's opportunistic work, you know. I can think of like times when I was at uni in Los Angeles and clean someone's house on Craigslist in my underwear for $50 an hour, you know, like (laughs) things like that. So, you know, the the formality of those Mm. uh, transactions is is highly variable. I have heard of people giving hugs or buying hugs and cuddling. Oh, yeah. Would that come under the sex work umbrella? You would have come across in your work, Tanya, the the cuddle party kind of phenomenon and professional cuddlers who are trained, you know, to do that intimacy work. Yeah, I've been reading about it, and there's a people who offer professional cuddling in New York. Um, so you can, you, it's similar. And I was wondering that because you book, you pay by the hour. Um, there's a rate. It's naked. It's negotiated. So it, it seems to me very similar to the contracts that a sex worker might make with a client. But it's about cuddling. So you you negotiate whether it's clothes on, clothes off, time, rate, that sort of stuff. And then there are other people who, yes, facilitate cuddle parties. So they're trained in in facilitating these parties to make sure that they're okay. And again, there's a hefty component on teaching consent and what's okay at these parties. And then they, you know, make sure that everybody's having a really lovely time at the cuddle party and there's not too many untoward things going on. 
Yeah, and I guess this kind of goes back to the sort of, as a sex worker, I might be providing a very wide range of services that aren't necessarily sexual. So some clients are seeking uh, social time, for example, and, and some sex workers have a rate, a specific rate for social time as opposed to sexual service time. It could be the stupidest movie of all time, but Juice Bigelow, male gigolo, I've not seen is all film. about uh, a guy who gets into sex work mm-hmm. and realises that women actually just want to have someone to talk to and hang out with and spend time with so maybe maybe it's more profound and woke than it realized at the time <laughs> this is let's talk about sex i'm joined by tani coons and gallivanting coming up in let's talk about sex what you should and should never call a sex worker and who is using these sex services anyway you're listening to mornings on fbi 94.5 Let's talk about sex on mornings. I'm joined by resident sexologist Tanya Coons and our special guest today, sex worker and president of the Scarlet Alliance, Gala Vanting. We were talking about Juice Bigelow, European gigolo before. Gala Vanting, are there certain words you probably shouldn't use to refer to a sex worker? The term sex worker is the term that we in the sex worker movement uh, prefer or re- require, really. That term refers to our work as work, and that is kind of one of the pillars of, of our politics and our identities. There are lots of other, I guess, vernacular terms that get used around sex work, and the word prostitute is actually still in pretty high rotation, in no small part because in a lot of jurisdictions that is the legal term used to refer to sex work. At the moment, we're, ch- we're changing that in different states and territories in Australia. There are also very derogatory terms and also then within sex work community there is a bit of ownership of language. For example the word ho um, which I think you know does actually get used probably more than it should be is is a word that people of colour have have claimed as African-American vernacular English and that is therefore not white workers or anyone else's word to use. So I think the, the, the care around that terminology is part of what allies can do but it's also part of what sex workers can do for each other. So if you're not a sex worker, should you refer to sex workers as purely sex workers? That would be my strong advice. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of clients do sex workers have? You know, I think all kinds of people see sex workers, and again, for a variety of reasons. Many people are looking for intimacy. Some people are looking for different experiences, like I can't get this at home or I couldn't get this in my dating circles. Some find it very hard to date or meet people. I have a lot of clients who just have social issues that just can't get out there and get those physical connections that they want. It may be the way that, maybe that society has deemed the way they look isn't dateable or the way they act or where they come from or how they conduct themselves. So there's just, and there are people with disabilities. You know, there's this huge assumption out there that people with disabilities don't want sex. I find that outrageous because they are just like the rest of us and we are all sexual beings. There is such a great diversity, um, you know, amongst clientele uh, in terms of their motivations for seeking a sexual service. And sometimes you don't really even find that out as a sex worker. I don't particularly need to know. I just need to know what you want to do, when you want to do it, um, and that we're we're a good match. I think it is safe to say that middle-class white men are the primary demographic, (laughs) um, given the amount of disposable income uh, that they have access to. But, you know, my clients are super diverse in their approaches to sex work. Now, I'm also starting to see people other than men seeking sex work services. Mm. So I've definitely sessioned with women. I've sessioned with queer, trans and non-binary people. Sex workers are 
able to make their services accessible to people outside of you know the normal expectation. What do you think has led to the opening up of people, different people, other than you know your normal middle class white dude? feeling comfortable with seeking sex services? I think in general, there has been a shift towards women as a market for sexual products, porn, sex work services, etc. For women who have that buying power, that's definitely something that they're taking up more. Yeah, it used to be that they did it as sex tourism and found it really hard because there wasn't very much written about it, but there was in terms of sex tourism. So again, it was um, it tended to be white middle class people with money, but it's starting to move outwardly a little bit more as people sort of become aware of what is available and what they can do and that they have more choices than they realised. In my line of work as a BDSM service provider, a lot of people don't necessarily want to navigate the scene for their first experiences Mm. in those types of things. I feel that the fact that I have a long history of navigating consent and navigating the negotiation around those types of play is appealing to people who don't necessarily want to go into that space regardless of their gender. Yeah, I could see that as being a much safer way to explore than to try and meet someone on Tinder who might be into spanking and flogging, for example, and have no idea who that person is, what their safety protocols are, how experienced they are. If you go see a sex worker, a lot of that is very clearly spelt out. You've been listening to Let's Talk About Sex on Mornings, FBI 94.5. Big thank you to my guests, resident sexologist Tony Coons and sex worker and president of the Scarlet Alliance, Gala Vanting. Next fortnight, when Let's Talk About Sex returns, we're looking at the legalities of sex work and why it is such a stigmatised industry. I hope you can join us for that chat in two weeks' time. Warning, this track contains strong language.